Hello everybody, Mark Carlson here, SNEA Technical Council Co-Chair. Welcome to the SDC Podcast. Every week, the SDC Podcast presents important technical topics to the storage developer community. Each episode is hand-selected by the SNEA Technical Council from the presentations at our annual Storage Developer Conference. The link to the slides is available in the show notes at snea.org slash podcasts. You are listening to SDC Podcast, episode number 172. Hello, and welcome to the session on Emerging Storage Security Landscape. My name is Eric Kibber, and I am with Samsung Technologies. I'm the Director of Product Planning, in particular dealing with storage networks and, and security. I'm a practicing security and privacy professional. Um, I've been involved with SNEA security activities for quite some time, as well as uh, a wide range of security and privacy-oriented standards bodies and industry associations. Um, And relative to this talk, um, I'm currently the ISO editor for the 27040 storage security standard. And as such, um, I tend to keep an eye out on on emerging storage security uh, specifications and standards because they are potentially relevant to, to that activity. <clears throat> so for this session, we're going to actually look at, at basically the, the storage security landscape. Um, really, the, the goal here from a storage security perspective is to try and have storage be the last line of defense. Uh, it's just almost a sort of a natural kind of thing, given that, that the data typically, you know, live there and reside there. And we're going to highlight some of the, what, what I see as new and emerging storage security elements that may be able to play into this and uh, make some comments about, uh, you know, I, how I think uh, that'll come into play. So as a bit of background, um, let's take a quick look at, at uh, sort of the common threat actors and common motivations. Um, in general, these have not changed much. They're pretty much the same as, you know, 10 years ago. Um, however, uh, the, the techniques they use, their approaches, the tools they use have gotten extremely sophisticated. Um, and um, many of these actually apply to, um, you know, the storage uh, world as, as well. Um, we do see right now uh, an increased uh, presence of things like ransomware. So there's a lot of uh, sort of financial gain um, that, that's uh, coming out of uh, that, that space. But in general, uh, it's important to keep in mind that, that security is basically a people problem. It's not a technology issue. We don't have systems waking up and attacking each other, at least not unless somebody's pushed a button somewhere and said, you know, go do that. And so that means that as, as uh, defenses evolve, so do the attacks. And uh, I'd like to say it's a cat and mouse game, but it's really not a game. And um, in this case, it's the cat that, uh, you know, the attackers basically assume. And we as, as defenders are more like a mouse. We're constantly chasing a problem that um, uh, in, in in many instances, um, we're playing catch up. From a threat landscape, um, again, these over time, 
uh, adjust a little bit um, in terms of what's the the, you know, the biggest plague at the moment, so to speak. Um, the highlighted ones are the kinds of threats that um, we see as being directly relevant to, to storage and storage technology. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, you know, ransomware is up towards the top. So these are, you know, in basically a priority order of what we're seeing right now. Um, they, they, they do change a, a little bit, um, but, uh, you know, not significant from year to year. When, when we talk about security, uh, especially if you're not a, a practitioner or if you're, if you're sitting in the privacy space and, and you know, talking about security, um, you can have sort of a wide range of views. And this is an attempt to basically show you, you know, why that's the case. So you see on the left-hand side, the privacy and, and, and data protection. And here the, the focus is really dealing with uh, lots of laws and regulations. Um, there are a bunch of them. Uh, it seems like almost every country these days has some sort of privacy and data protection requirements uh, in, in the regulatory space. Um, indirectly, those will drive uh, security, but it's usually usually characterized in form of some sort of risk risk mitigation kind of um, kind of language. On the right-hand side, we have information security, um, and the focus is actually on information. Um, so that could include things like paper. Really, you, you, this is where you hear confidentiality, integrity, and availability, you know, the, the CIA triad that, um, again, has been around for quite some time. Cybersecurity is, is basically a subset of that, and it's really focused on the cyber aspect of this, where, whereas information security is going to be worried about things like supply chain, um, cybersecurity, maybe not so much, but it's definitely worried about uh, um, how you protect data and applications and people in the in the general cyberspace. And of course, uh, somewhat related to this is there's a, an issue of ethics, and um, and that will will often drive what people do or not do. And so this is. This is a sort of an overall sort of landscape of those of us that are looking at this problem set, having to basically operate in, in some or all of these uh, arenas. All right, so I'd like to, to move forward and talk a little bit about some of the current standards that are, are relevant to, to the storage and storage security. Um, so within ISO, um, there is a subcommittee 27, which deals with information security, cybersecurity, and privacy protection. Um, this is the, the standards body that produces the 27,000 series security standards, if you're familiar with those. Lots of organizations base their security checklists on, on, uh, on those standards. And, um, and so within that body, there's also uh, some activities that are um, you know, more directly related to, to storage technology. So first up is the 27040 storage security standard, which was published in January 2015. Um, it, it's all guidance, so you can't claim conformance with it. Um, well, you can, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. There are about 330 recommendations or controls, as we call them. Uh, it covers the, the full range of, of storage technologies, storage 
networking, um, storage management, um, various flavors, you know, fiber channel, NFS, um, if you can think of it, if it's mainstream, um, it's probably uh, got some coverage of, you know, things that you should be worrying about. Even includes materials on on sanitization, um, both storage and media based. It is the only international standard that that deals with storage sanitization, uh, so it's worth sort of noting that. Um, Twenty seven hundred fifty is focused on electronic discovery, and in particular, part four, which is called technology readiness. Uh, addresses things like retention and preservation, um, and and it it um, has some requirements and guidance on on what you should do about, for example, sanitization. It focuses on the legal community and records management, but uh, it is one of those documents that that addresses um, you know this this aspect that that again we in the storage industry care about. The 27031 deals with uh, business continuity. And again, it's a guidance standard, puts out concepts and, and uh, principles and, and basically how to improve the overall um, business continuity. Um, both 27040 and 27031 are undergoing revisions. And so we're likely to see some, some changes um, on the case of 2740. I'll probably talk more about that. But 27031 is expected to actually um, you know, be enhanced as well. Uh, NIST actually has multiple documents out. 888, um, Special Publication 888 deals with media sanitization. It's a guidelines document, uh, but it's focused exclusively on media. Um, the 800-209 is dealing with the guidance for storage infrastructure, little broader scope. Um, some of of what it addresses um, are also covered in the 27040 standard, but uh, you know, NIST documents are, are you know, developed by the U.S. government, definitely apply to the U.S. government, but because of their sort of the general availability at no cost, um, they do get uh, quite a bit of visibility. There are some interesting concepts that are, that are floated in the 800-209, for example, um, they've introduced the concept of cyber recovery systems, um, and this is separate from your traditional disaster recovery business continuity. And uh, so, how do you how do you basically prepare for something like a ransomware attack? How do you recover from that? So, you know, interesting document in that space. Um, also worth noting, there's the 800-111, which is um, guide to storage encryption technology for end-user devices. Definitely something worth uh, if you're if you're interested in in encryption, um, in encryption technology worth taking a look at. All right, so let's move to the emerging side. This is probably the more interesting piece. Um, as I mentioned, twenty seven hundred forty is undergoing changes. Um, the big change here is is it, it's including shall statements requirements. So in the future, if you claim conformance. Um, there'll be a set of things that uh, that, that that means, um, and uh, and they're sort of peppered throughout the document at this point. So there there've been a fairly large number of of changes from you should do this to you shall do this, and some of them with caveats. For example, uh, dealing with you know whether the data is sensitive or not. 
Um, the target audience is uh, consumers of storage technology. And so if you're a vendor, um, this means you're going to sort of figure out what the indirect impacts are. So, for example, there's a requirement to use encryption to protect confidentiality. Um, for that to actually be usable, you know, a vendor has to implement, you know, encryption and key management functionality. And that's what I mean by sort of an indirect. Um, the update basically had been some removal of what we would consider to be some niche um, technology. So fiber channel over Ethernet and PNFS were, were basically removed, as well as some obsolete technologies like floppies and zip drives and renewalies and things of that nature. Um, there's definitely new material on securing NVMe over fabrics and IPMI, which have you know, been some, some areas that have needed some attention. Um, lots of consolidation of, of, the, of the controls in this document, a little easier to process. Um, big changes around sanitization. Um, all of the content that dealt with uh, technology-specific has basically been removed and is now being handled by an IEEE standard uh, 2883. Um, and there was some prioritization um, tables that kind of helped you figure out what to do. Most of all, that's basically gone because now you've got requirements and those represent sort of baseline controls. Um, there's a new version of the 2702 standard uh, coming out. And this is part of that information security management. How does an organization you know, deal with that? Um, and there's a little tighter relationship between the 27,001 and 2 and 27040. And we're anticipating that this new document will come out in mid to late 2022. I mentioned the 2883 standard. This is focused on storage sanitization. You know, the, the, the nut of it is we think this is going to be the go-to standard for how do you get rid of data on storage devices and storage media. Um, so it basically identifies applicable sanitization methods, uh, what techniques you can use um, for you know specific technologies, and sort of the minimum requirements of you know what you need to deal with. Also talks about things like cryptographic erase and degaussing and how how all this sort of fits in and provides some guidance on on verification of sanitization. There's another talk here at, at SDC. So if this is a topic you're interested, in, you you may actually want to. Uh, uh, review that one as well. All right, so the PCI SIG and the DMTF are are working on some specifications that are um, very interesting. Looking at this point, so what we're seeing are the introduction introduction of of some specifications that are dealing with authentication and measurements and attestation and uh, roots of trust. And um, really, at, at sort of a high level, the idea is that um, components of a system can actually determine whether they've been uh, changed or not. So, for example, if the firmware has, uh, has been changed and it shouldn't have been, um, there, there's uh, likely to be the ability to detect that and then, and then be able to, to respond to... Uh, you know, what exactly you need to be, you know, doing, you know, do you trust this storage device, for example, because it's firmware changed and there's no record that it should have been changed. Um, so some of this could actually be very useful uh, sort of countermeasures to things like 
things like ransomware and um, and certain malware that 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 can get installed on on systems. Um, um, may be useful from from a standpoint of detecting counterfeit uh, technology. So if there are supply chain problems, there may be ways to, uh, to to detect. You know, is this device actually from the vendor that it purports to be from? Um, so we're anticipating that um, when all of these um, specifications are in place, that um, it's going to offer some very very interesting and potentially powerful uh, technologies, and you know, companies that are that are operating in the in the cloud space, for example, you know, the, these are these are kinds of technologies that they're going to be very interested in in, in seeing uh, in the future. Um, a little more about the component authentication. Um, so it's dealing with things like manufacturing and integration and um, how to how you deal with initialization and power cycle events, um, what to do during runtime, uh, whether you need to basically re-authenticate during runtime kinds of things, and what happens when you're adding things or replacing things. Um, now, um, you know, in many cases, our systems are designed to be plug and play, and you know that's convenient. But from a security perspective, plug and play could be. Um, a, a source of serious problems where you've introduced, uh, you know, some technology that, that that essentially can be used to harvest data or cause corruption, a whole variety of, of, of problems. Um, the PCI technology dealing with integrity and data encryption um, is is something looking very interesting. In basically, this is. Think of it as link encryption, and it could be um, between for maybe a host or a server and a switch, um, or it could all the way be down end to end, you know, from from basically the the, the host or, or whatever the computer is down to, for example, a storage device, and and passing through, uh, you know, switch infrastructure and things of that nature. Um, so why would we be worrying about this? Well, when um, when you're dealing with you know short cables or you know a bus inside of a server, it's not a problem. But when you start dealing with some of these storage networks, and for example, when you look at what you may be able to do with with NVMe over Fabric, you know some of these technologies may may prove to be um, very very useful to to help secure uh, connections that are. Um, you know, not not sitting uh, next to each other, but maybe a little little more distant, and you want to essentially secure the uh, the data path um, with some solid encryption. And what we're seeing is, in this case, using AES GCM, which is a very fast encryption mechanism, and, and typically used in in things like TLS and in IPsec to secure communications. So. Lots of work on this right now. Um, specifications are are uh, firming up, and uh, in the not too distant future, you know, you're likely to see various players who will have to deal with IDE, um, you know, offering support. Um, my guess is that this is probably going to be in the probably the 2024 or, or later timeframe because there is a need for uh, essentially heterogeneous support for those.
The next one that's uh, uh, an, an interesting beast is some work that both the uh, NV, NVM Express and the Trusted Computing Group are are collaborating on. It's known as uh, Keeper.io or KPIO. Um, the, the, the simplified version of what this is, is think about a scenario where for every read and write um, that is executed, um, it includes uh, key tag information that allows that write to identify an encryption key that then gets used by a drive to encrypt the data. But the drive itself doesn't have to do the complex key management. It has a cache of keys, um, you know, some number to be specified. Uh, let's say hypothetically it's 2000 keys. Um, and the host that's using that drive, or it could be multiple hosts, preload this cache with, with these keys, and, and then it uses the, the key tags to identify which key to use, which e, each I.O. operation. And it's an intriguing idea in that, for one, you can use the drive's encryption capability as kind of an offload engine and, and not worry about you know, the drive having to basically deal with the key management piece. Basically, when the drive uh, is restarted, or systems restarted, those keys that are cached all go away. You basically have to load up the keys before you can start using them. So why would you do something like this? Well, from my perspective, uh, when I kind of look out on the landscape, you know, if you're if you're dealing with containers and and VMs, and um, you don't necessarily want the underlying system to know anything about uh, you know the encryption keys you could actually manage those keys, um, you know, within the container in the VM. And, um, you know, you're, you're passing that information down into the drive as part of your, your reads and your writes. Um, so even though you may be abstracted away from it because of the way you're doing the IO, it may actually not be that abstracted. You could take this to another level and look at it from a cloud perspective. And theoretically, if if the specifications are done right, you as an end user of a cloud service um, that's um, you know using encrypted drives, you could be pumping in the the keys that the cloud service provider knows nothing about, all the way down to the drives that they own, but you're providing the keys that are used for your particular data. It's an intriguing um, an approach. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. The Trusted Computing Group is, is uh, right in the midst of specifying how all this does. And the NVMe folks have, have basically said, yeah, this is part of the NVMe functionality. Um, and you know, you're likely to see these specifications come out um, in probably the next six to seven months. Um, you know, to, to actually see how, how this stuff is all going to work out. But it is definitely an intriguing, um, you know, technology, and it'll be interesting to see where, where it goes. All right, so some other sort of miscellaneous noteworthy activities. Um, you know, so the U.S. government is, is making quite a bit of uh, emphasis on zero-trust architectures. 
and um, and the concept of of trustworthiness. And both of these, they're different, um, but they're potentially changing the game for the security community. Because essentially, you start from a position of I trust nothing, and and you have to basically establish that trust relationship. Um, you're not talking about things like perimeters. So, you know, the, the trust boundary might, might be within a particular system, might even be at the, at the device level. And so we anticipate that some of the zero trust activity is, is definitely going to have some, some impacts. Um, I mentioned earlier the 27,001 standard. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a sequence of events that are queued up right now um, 27,002 is, is about to be published as, as a new version. The expectation is that 27,001 will then undergo a, a limited revision, basically updating an annex that essentially is the outline of what's in 27,002. Um, and that'll be done as, as an amendment. Um, however, once that amendment's done, the expectation is that a new version of 27,001 will then be published by sort of taking the amendment, applying it, and there's some other changes that, that would need to go in. When that new version of 27,001 comes out, it will cause organizations that have been 27,001 certified to go get recertified. They'll have probably a two-year phase-in period, maybe 12 months, um, but it, at that end of that period, whatever their previous certifications were, they're invalid. Now, this is going to cause a lot of interesting perturbations to the security community because it means they're going to be looking at everything because a lot of the supporting documents of 27,002 have also been undergoing revision. And so this is, this is going to be, uh, you know, I think where the storage ecosystems are, are going to get a lot of scrutiny um, this 27040 is going to be in that part of that mix. Another thing to keep an eye on is TLS. Um, 1.3 has been out for a while. Um, and we're seeing behind the scenes, uh, you know, adoption and, and at least from the, the, the toolkits and whatnot, we think that there's probably going to be some sort of black swan event that, that will serve as a trigger. And when that happens, um, previous versions of TLS, you know, prior to TLS 1.3 are essentially going to be abandoned and there's going to be a mass stampede to, to TLS 1.3. So this is one of those areas where if you're looking at TLS as part of your products and whatnot, you absolutely want to make sure you're positioned to deal with, with TLS 1.3. So with that, I'd like to, to thank you for your time. Uh, it's a bit of a whirlwind tour of some of the things that we see on the event horizon. Um, and hopefully this is helpful. Um, watch out for the specifications when, when they come out for public review. So many of them are not out at the moment. And thanks again for your time today. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the material presented in this podcast, be sure and join our developers mailing list by sending an email to developers-subscribe at SNEA.org. Here you can ask questions and discuss this topic further with your peers in the storage developer community. For additional information about the Storage Developer Conference, visit www.storagedeveloper.org.